I'm Jackson Lecca, and welcome to this episode of our 2020 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. In today's program, we get some perspective on planning for change, both anticipated and unexpected, as an independent precision farming dealer. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And a reminder that by subscribing, you will be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Well, dealerships, both large and small, are taking a more critical look at business decisions that will impact short and long-term profitability. In some cases, the decision-making process is being accelerated by the recent impact of the coronavirus. There's a fine line between being on the bleeding edge and the leading edge of innovation. As someone who has experienced both sides during more than 15 years of owning a precision dealership, Skip Kleinfelter, owner of Linco Precision in El Paso, Illinois, values the signature successes as much as the learning from the losses. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, we share excerpts from my conversation with Skip, who discusses some of the current and future business opportunities and considerations for dealers. As far as the dealership itself, there hasn't been much change we've on how the employees are actually functioning and actioning, acting, trying to you know have some social distancing from customers coming in. The, uh, the walk-in business has slowed down, but our shop has actually been very busy. We haven't had anybody get sick. I took my stimulus check that the government sent me and cashed it and gave it to the employees up there just for showing up. It was about 100 bucks a person that was in the shop. Uh, just say thanks. But I've got a son that's United Airlines pilot, and he's very scared of the virus and bringing it home. And he has instilled some fear in the rest of the family. And my uh, wife, which probably rightfully so, doesn't want me staying in a hotel. And that's what I do when I go up to the store. Typically, I'd go up on a Tuesday and stay Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday night. I'm out of season on the farm. And I haven't done that since this, you know, last two months. So that's a that's a big change. But we are, you know, with uh, we've had a, a couple of Zoom meetings, sales meetings on Zoom. Um, had some management meetings. We did get together for a couple of management meetings at the store where normally that's a, a weekly or every other weekly deal. We haven't done there as much of that, or I haven't been included in, in a lot of that. We did the Zoom deal, which I'm not so sure what percentage of the market Zoom has now, but just right at the beginning of this, on national TV, they promoted Zoom. I'm not sure who paid who for that one, but it's worked really well, too. And, you know, as you know, you can get 15 people on the screen if you want to. It's uh, And that's what we did last week. I think there's was eight. But that worked really well. That's a big change. And I tried to uh, – uh, I guess I was missing it because we were trying to do this three years ago, and we just couldn't get a platform that seemed to work well the um, – I can't think of the name of it, but uh, um, one of my sons uses it, the Google answer to it, and FaceTime, and we just couldn't get it to work like we wanted to. And here's Zoom, and it just pretty much works perfect if you've got some speed. And we were trying to do that, like I said, three years ago. I just couldn't get it two years ago. Last year, we, we started digging into a couple of things that kind of worked, and Zoom has pretty much taken over what we're doing. We have had um, a couple of meetings with clients over Zoom. 
Uh, I think it's going to be a bigger piece of everything we do in the future. We're developing, we've got a small online catalog and we're adding to that. My wife's retired now as an English teacher and she used to do the uh, yearbook years ago and her and our office manager working back and forth developing a print version for a catalog and um, something that we're going to do this summer uh, whether you call it a dog and pony show or a rodeo or whatever since we don't know that the maggie show is going to happen it's on now i talked to gene Payne here the other day about it and you know it is on at the moment but everything in illinois you know with our governor and the way he's doing things it's tougher here to do a lot of things I think this, they said the state parks were closed, or state-owned properties were closed the rest of the year. Well, they're starting to open some state parks on a limited basis, so I'm not sure what that means. But we just don't know. Anyway, we are uh, changing a, modifying a truck to be able to pull the big equipment around with. Uh, we have a new uh, fertilizer tender line. We're going to have about five different pieces of machinery, and we're going to do somewhere between five and ten locations to actually take it to uh, southern Illinois and, and kind of central northern Illinois locations with Growmark, uh, Effingham Equity, Nutrien, and then some independents. And we're going to have uh, basically come in and be set up by 1030 and uh, do some schooling and some ride and drives with our loaders and serve them lunch and give them a hat or something and uh, do a little schooling. We're hoping on some things and we're, we haven't decided what the schooling is going to be, but if it's uh, just further defining what the uh, COVID risk is or something at the day in the schooling and what really people need to, to be thinking about, that might be something. Some of the anhydrous rules are changing before next year. Can't hook two tanks together unless they have a safety breakaway between them. And Nutrient does a lot of pulling two tanks like that. So they're going to have to change or so it's a, an education but it's a sales opportunity for us and just reaching out uh, where we can and hopefully we'll be able to do this uh, uh, safely and, and be able to do it. I know we can legally just because we're you know one of the essential businesses and so are they but you know you want to be smart about it too. I wonder uh, and as, as you know I've you've heard a hundred times and everybody else says too and in farming and businesses and stuff it's going to lead to more consolidation We've had a couple opportunities. I don't know that it's necessarily, there are going to be people going out of business, and we hope we aren't one of those, but some of the consolidation isn't necessarily going to be through just ownership takeover, mergers and acquisitions, but where they're working together. We've been contacted by a couple of people that are running pretty good shows now, and they uh, have interest in maybe working with us. Part of it is to raise the volume of business they're doing to be able to deal with the vendors on a bigger footprint that's part of the reason but getting a, a larger group of like-minded people or some that have maybe a little bit different strengths and increasing your geographic area one of the people we've talked to some does some bigger equipment than we do that's not available to us and if we were actually working with them we would have some availability of that to our sales force but we do some things that they don't do too and some of the custom builds and things we do uh, they don't do that very much, and uh, that would be a strength we would bring to them. And I think more things like that are just you know, a natural progression of the way we do things in the United States or whatever, I, you know, how, whatever you want to call it. But I think that's 
it's just going to be more of it and maybe maybe not i don't i guess i haven't seen anything other than like the zoom that's really been available it's just blown up now of new technologies that are creating new opportunities as first to just accelerating what's already happening it, it appears to me that's an interesting point you make about uh, maybe some of those opportunities those partnerships or acquisitions that maybe have been kind of on the back burner, not necessarily given any serious thought by ownership or, or other uh, dealers or companies uh, that now maybe have become a little more real or are getting a little bit more of a deeper look into seeing if certain things make sense. One, like you said, given, um, you know, out of the, the economic realities, but also thinking about uh, maybe where there's some of those voids within a business that, you know, there's some natural fits there for people that, um, you know, had kind of wondered, well, you know, is this a direction I want to go? Is this something we need to add? Is this the company we want to be working with? Um, it sounds like that's something certainly, you know, with, um, you know, not necessarily a, a, a smaller business, but a business that, you know, like, like Linco that, you know, obviously uh, has certain areas that it, it excels in, does very well. You mentioned, you know, some of the, the larger equipment or things that, you know, other people don't offer that you guys do. And if there is um, a fit or an opportunity there to, to kind of expand or build on that, is this, I mean, is this kind of a culture that might be more conducive to that? Yeah, I think so. Again, I think just the situations are accelerating the change. It's something that's been coming and happening. I was looking at one larger John, well, the large John Deere dealership in our area, and they have on their website, they talk about their history and their growth and their gross sales now. And when I did a little math on it, we're not too far off of being what, what one of their average location grosses, which I just didn't, sitting back and thinking, it's, you know, these guys are huge. They, well, they have 22 stores. If you divide their gross income by 22 stores, their average store, we're not too far away from that. And we don't sell half, well, we do sell half million dollar products, but, you know, a couple of them a year. Uh, we don't sell combines and, you know, four to $500,000 combines and tractors. And you think, okay, we sell four hundred some thousand dollars sledge trucks, and this year we're going to sell two. So uh, I'm kind of wondering some of those stores, even though they cover a large geographic area, and their margins are pretty good in their parts and stuff. We we had a part for our planter the other day that we have to have a discussion with our dealer about. It was taped, the box was taped, electronic part, speed sensor, box was taped shut. No, no, no big deal. Somebody had it out looking at it. We looked at it. It's got dirt on it, so it's been on the planter someplace. That's the part's actually made by Raven, who we are dealers for. When we looked at it, John Deere wanted $492 for that part. Full list price for Raven is $330. My cost is $220. So I assume John Deere is probably buying better than we are. But if they're buying it the same we are, their cost was two twenty, and they're selling their sale price is four ninety two. I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunity out there, I guess, that we're missing on mark on parts margins, but we're not able to. A lot of people that buy from us would also buy from twenty or thirty other people. Where if you think something's green and the only part you can get for your John Deere planters from John Deere, even though it turns out it's a Raven part, you know, you just Go to John Deere to get it and spend four ninety two instead of three thirty. Yeah. Oh, that that's going. We're going to look at that just to see are there areas we had a uh, uh, 
previous friend that was a, a dealership for one of the sprayers, sprayer manufacturers, and they marked their parts at 15% over list price. And that's just how it was. That's just what they did. And you can do that. It's legal to do that. It's, and I guess it's moral to do it if you can get it. And, uh, but again, though, they were a different name. It wasn't John Deere Case. And uh, even a lot of the John Deere and Case. So if you think you have to get the parts from that person, that's where you automatically default to get it. And if, as long as you think that way, the margins can, and they do raise. You know, it's kind of like buying airplane parts. If it's, if it's an airplane part, even though it was made by uh, one of the bubblegum companies, it was, it's going to cost you more. You know, so. sure. But still, I think, uh, I, I know there's going to be changes. And I really don't see the, uh, the changes as being new, but rather accelerating. Mm-hmm change I thought was already taking place and telling people two years ago that you know you need to uh, you need to choose your partners I guess possibly better than we have in the past uh, somebody you know your trusted advisors you need to select the people you're going to work with they are uh, it's going to be more important uh, and you may have seen this. I can't remember the, the name of the guy that actually wrote it, but a friend of mine just quoted it again over the weekend. Uh, and it was about uh, software products and stuff. And he said, everybody's, you know, in the company side of things, are pushing to do one product to do everything. And he said, he didn't know anybody that's actually successful at using one product to do everything. Usually it's one or two or two or three that they put together to get all the answers they, they need. I guess I think that in my experience in working with my, my own farm and uh, clients that I know, there's almost nobody doing a good job by themselves of running a farm and doing getting the software. They're either hiring somebody to do a portion of it or they have enough uh, uh, large enough operation, the economics just allow them to have somebody in the house that's that's part of their job. It's you know scrubbing the data and then making sense out of it. So is that a change? Not really. It's just accepting the fact that I need to do this, and if I need to do it, I need help. To me, the guys that are smart enough to do it all by themselves, they probably don't have time to do it all by themselves. So, what? Skip, a couple of years ago, you spoke very uh, candidly and, and eloquently at the uh, Precision Farming Dealers Summit, just about some of the leadership uh, lessons and, and strategies that you try to implement day-to-day, year-to-year at the dealership. Um, it was just curious, uh, you know, thinking about the current environment that the industry is in, what's, what's one piece of advice you would have for, for dealers from a management standpoint that they should be thinking about or, or doing, you know, right now as far as a, an opportunity to, to potentially better their business or, uh, you know, maybe insulate it or, or prepare for what's coming next. And again, this can be based on kind of your experience here and, and some things maybe you guys have learned here, whether it's the last few months or, or even prior to then. We've um, recently have a new hire that has uh, built good relationships with his, his clientele over the years. And we are in the process of make it, basically making part of his job as a sales manager's job 
And I guess, again, it's, you know, you've heard me say this before, where we can't teach passion. Um, I guess selecting more for, for passion and, and putting the people in charge that actually have the passion. Um, it's really tough. We had a gentleman this morning that turned down an employment offer, uh, partially because of money. And he thought, well, this isn't something that he thought he's going to do long term. When he applied for the job, that's well, this is what he wants to do. He thinks it'd be really, really cool to be in the precision sales and service, but mostly sales side of things. And that's the employment offer. Well, we made him an offer, but he can't come in with almost zero experience of what we're doing, and then get an offer that, in our in our case, we expect people to, I expect to have to pay somebody enough to to eat pay the rent, things like that. It's up to them to succeed. So we have commission. That's part of our package. Uh, we offer, you know, insurance and vehicle. and We cover all the expenses that a person has and hopefully pay them enough to eat on. But if you're going to succeed, it's up to you. Uh, maybe possibly along the HR side of things, just trying to get the expectations set up front. We're doing a better job of that today uh, as verse to hiring, trying to hire the right person that's on fire and pat them on the back and here's the tools, tell me if you need anything, go, you know, go kill the bear. It's, that's, uh, we need to have more continuing education and we're doing a better job of that too, but I just, uh, I guess team effort, but that hiring for passion is, uh, is a more important thing for us. Thank you, Skip, for sharing your perspective and look for more coverage of how other dealerships are navigating the pandemic at farmequipment.com with recaps from different operations in our Thought Leader series. You can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2020 podcast series. For Skip Kleinfelter, Linco Precision, and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Semlicka. Thanks for listening.